is indeed an honor for me to be here today. Uh, this is the first time I've led, been a part of leading worship at Westlake Hills. I have been here in other capacities across the years. Someone said to me during the greeting, haven't I heard you speak here before at a presbytery meeting? I said, I've been to a lot, a lot, a lot of presbytery meetings. Well, this is the only presbytery mission presbytery I've ever served in. I've been ordained since 1971. And... Um, I've been to Westlake Hills a number of times for presbytery meetings, but most recently I have served as the interim moderator of your session when you've been in between either an interim or a pastor or an interim. So hopefully that day has ended, and I look forward to meeting your new pastor in the coming days, the coming weeks. Um, one of the things that happens when you're retired and I retired seven years ago, having served 18 years as a pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in the other side of Austin World in Northwest Austin. But uh, one of the things that happens is that you're available when there needs to be an interim moderator. And I have become apparently, apparently I have been deemed the person who will be the interim moderator when a session needs a moderator. And I've done several, I've been the, the interim for several in this presbytery. So, um, I am delighted to be here today. Listen now for the reading of God's Word. And as we prepare to hear the Word, let us pray. Holy God, by the power of your Spirit, reveal your will to us today through your Word read and proclaimed. Help us to remember your creative, redemptive, and consoling work. And lead us into the world filled with the Spirit to proclaim, teach, and serve others in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. From the Gospel of Mark, in the 13th chapter, the first eight verses. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the, temp on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Teacher, tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he. And they will lead you, lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Here ends the reading of God's word. To God be honor and glory forever. Amen. My wife and I have a tradition that when a, a grandchild turns 11 years old, the summer of that 11th year, we will take them on a vacation trip, just the two of us. It'll be our grandchild's choice. And uh, wherever the grandchild wants to go in the continental United States, we will take them, but not to a theme park. That's their parents' responsibilities. 
Our responsibility is just let them spend several days with us. And in the summer of 2012, our grandson, our first grandchild, uh, said he wanted to go to Washington, D.C. A few years later, his younger brother was picking his place to go, and he reminded us that you took my older brother for 10 days, so you're taking me for 10 days. He chose New York City and Boston. Everything we saved with our first grandchild, we spent on the second grandchild. My wife and I are concerned, though. We have a two-year-old granddaughter, and we've begun to think, now, what are we going, how are we going to do this 11th birthday trip tradition? Maybe it will be, well, it certainly won't be as active as it was for the first two, because I won't be, well, anyway, you can figure this out. <laughs> I'll be older than I am today. On one of our adventures in, in D.C. was a walking from the Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Monument. Towering some 555 feet into the air, the monument demands that you are suddenly awestruck by how tall it is, and it causes you to crane your neck to try to see the top, because it does command attention. The obelisk stands guard over the capital city, not only in honor of its namesake, George Washington, but, but also as a testament, a testimony to the engineering of humankind as well as to the strength of our nation, bold enough to design and build it. On our visit in June of 2012, but late in the summer of 2011, the previous year, following an earthquake centered in nearby Virginia, the towering symbol of strength began showing signs of weakness and cracks. A large crack was discovered on the top of the monument. Stone blocks suddenly were dislodged a little bit, letting light into the monument inside. Mortar and stones were strewn around the base, brought, uh, forming a field of disconcerting debris. Immediately, a team of engineers and architects were summoned to come and assess the damage. When we arrived a year later, public access was still shut down over safety concerns. Now, you may be saying to yourselves, well, friend, earthquakes happen and monuments crack. So what? However, there is a great truth revealed in the cracks of the Washington Monument, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the truth that every human-made thing, every human-made thing will ultimately crack and crumble. Even the best of what we build with in this life, be it a monument to a president, be a house of our dreams, be an investment portfolio, all of that is susceptible to the elements, and finally, is temporary. Just think about what's going on in California and Malibu. Or think about hurricanes and earthquakes, whether you lived in Houston or you lived in South Carolina or you lived in Florida. I mean, just think about what happens with what we think is secure and stable with what we build. I could not help but think about that as I watched the news footage of families going back to their 
precious home that they'd spent maybe a lifetime trying to create in Malibu, millions of dollars, thinking it was a wonderful place to live and the, the sunset that you could see from their house, on their patio. And now it's, and now it's rubble, it's dust, it's ash. Because all that we build with our hands really has a possibility of being very, very temporary. So don't let cracks in our national monument serve as the only reminders of this truth. Take it from Jesus. While hanging out with his disciples in Jerusalem, the disciples take note of this large, grandeur city that they're in, especially the magnificent temple that carried that the holy, the holy, uh, it pierced the holy city skyline. And as the disciples stared at at Herod's incredible accomplishment, Jesus offered them this piece of advice. Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. By all accounts, the, the temple was an amazing piece of architecture at the time. It had been under construction for almost 50 years, and was finally nearing completion. Josephus, the Jewish historian, notes that the exterior of the building covered on all sides with massive plates of gold. The sun was no sooner up than it radiated an incredible fiery flash that persons staring at it, trying to look at it, were were compelled to avert their eyes because it was so bright. Approaching strangers that were approaching the temple it appeared from a great distance like a snow-covered mountain because what was not overlaid in gold was purest white stone. Some of the largest stones, estimated to be 40 feet long and 12 feet high and 18 feet wide, were bright in their appearance. This was more than a temple for the worship of God. This was an incredible accomplishment of humankind. And yet Jesus made it very clear that there would come a day when even this awe-inspiring work and all it represented would be toppled. Jesus lays out the certain upheaval to come, wars, natural disasters, famine, earthquakes. He admonishes Peter and James and John and Andrew, don't be alarmed because it will happen. The Reverend Jill Duffield, commenting on this morning text, wrote, Wars, check. Natural disasters, check. Famine, check. Earthquakes, check. You read the headlines, bend the globe in any direction, and you can see evidence. The signs of the end of time emblazoned in print are digital. But we Christians... We Christians have been waiting a very long, long, long time. And all has not been thrown down yet. The world order of the rich getting richer and the poor getting trampled continues, remains. Jesus was teaching that we must not anchor or link our trust in the work of our hands because our efforts and our treasure should not be focused on monumental works so that when these works crumble as they do, 
Our hope does not topple along with them. Nevertheless, we have work to do. We have to build, we have to construct, we have to earn a living, we have to aspire, we have to design, we have to erect, we have to develop. We have to sow, we have to reap, we have to put a roof over our heads, we have to build roads and schools and hospitals. You get the idea, we have to build. Jesus is not belittling any of this and God is not mocking our human efforts. Because it's in our DNA to build. We were created in the image of God to create. And so we do. But the question becomes, how might we rightly marvel at the accomplishments of our hands without being those so link the accomplishments of our hands to the righteousness of our heart? Jesus was well too acquainted with those who were great on doing, but short on being. We tend to become enamored with our creation, and we easily forget the creator. When we put our trust in the work of our hands, we set ourselves up for trouble. If we make such things as the center of our lives, whatever we create with our hands we become dangerously distracted, forgetting God and anchoring our trust in temporary things that will fail and fall. Herod's temple did come tumbling down. In 70 CE, the Roman army toppled the temple and most of the city as it put down a Jewish rebellion, and the temple has not yet been rebuilt. The glorious structure that stood some 15 stories high that was laden with gold and served as a symbol of power and strength and a chosen status for so many people came toppling, crashing to the ground. Even the best of what we build in this life is susceptible to the elements and in time prove only temporary. So... Where do we anchor our hope? Jesus has given himself to us and he has given us to one another. Jill Dunfield says and comments that whatever time it is, we are not at the end. She wrote, that means that we meet together. That means that we pray. That means that we breathe and hold fast to the one who gives us a son who never turns away from the hurt of the world. That means we work for peace, no matter how persistent the violence. That means we help those in the middle of disasters. That means we feed the hungry, we care for the sick, knowing that's how we want to be found whenever Jesus returns and whenever our end or the end of time comes. So let's be wise. Let's anchor our trust and our hearts more deeply by investing our time and treasure in that which is eternal, the things of God, so that when cracks emerge, our hope is unshaken because it is anchored in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God be the glory this day. Amen.